Welcome to the Possibility Action Network podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Middleton, AKA Possibility Man. We are committed to bringing you guests who strive to better people's lives and serve as a force for good in the world. Our guest today is Joy Soleil. She is an emotional mastery coach and healer. She helps individuals discover their innate health, heart-centered life. She points us to, to find abundance in areas of life, including relationships, optimal health, and financial security. Her brand promise is that she supports people in finding balance in all areas of their life. Joy Soleil, welcome to the show today. Thank you so much, Stephen. Look, I'm excited to talk with you today, but first this programming note to our listeners and our viewers, your support matters and is appreciated. Follow, like, and share us wherever you find this podcast. Our sponsor information is below the description of this show. And please uh, like us, follow us, and share. Okay. Hey, Joy, I know that you are an emotional mastery coach and healer, but what did you do in your previous life? <laughs> like past life, Stephen, or like before I started doing this in this life? <laughs> yeah, okay, that's a good answer. Coming different from people you. think different ways. Yeah. Well, in your previous career. Yeah. So actually, I've been doing emotional mastery since I was about 18. Um, and I started doing personal development with people around that time as well. And I worked a lot of different jobs and companies along the way, including in the entertainment industry as a model and actor and in the music industry as well. So I have a lot of different experiences and just uh, have been able to pull all of those to really understand people better and see them and see what they're really like what are what are our deeper needs like that's what I really have uh experienced and looked at over the course of time and all the things I've done I find that interesting as an 18 year old you begin to peak in this area of life and human development what prompted you at 18 to look in this area pain <laughs> pain you know when you get to a certain well, I mean, so for some of us, it happens sooner than others, right? And I think I had just, first of all, I was born like eyes wide open to the world and like, you know, really wanting to understand and also having an innate gift to be able to see things that other people maybe pass up easily. Um, so by the time I turned 18, I was just so desperate for healing for myself that honestly, I just dove into it because I was like, well, I got nothing to lose. You know, you're 18 years old, you got nothing better to do, right? So just pick your passion. And so that's really where it started. It was just like the desire to see pain and suffering healed on the world, in the world and um, on this planet. And it just started to drive me like really young. Yeah, so um, if you're open to answer this question, what was going on with this 18 year old that caused her, you know, emotional or physical discomfort? Gosh, well, you know, for one, I was raised in the church and I'm, I'm still, you know, heavy believer, like so much, but I know, you know, my parents were in ministry and just seeing the leadership and how painful it is to, for people, all people who are in leadership to go to try to, you know, like we're trailblazing something, but we have nowhere to turn when crap hits the fan, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I was raised, I've got three sisters. I'm the third born, but they always said, oh, you should have been born first because there I was raising everybody. 
and um, just micromanaging certain things. And I realized at a really young age, I mean, there was a lot of like a lot of loneliness, a lot of trauma, um, things that I couldn't speak about because, oh, well, you, you know, your parents are in leadership. You can't talk about that. So that really, I think that was a catalyst for me to want to help people that are in positions that they otherwise would have nowhere else to go when they have crisis. I see. You know, in, in doing my, my research about you, I've heard you talk about core wounds, and perhaps this is related in part to what you've just shared. And let me identify a couple of areas now. I think you've mentioned ancestral wounds, or cultural wounds, I'll add, and also include family wounds. What kinds of things are you talking about when you say core wounds? Are these things or more than that? Or can you take us into that a little bit, please? Completely. Yeah. So wounds, traumas, you know, most of us don't want to admit we have trauma <laughs> if, if we do have, and everybody does. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we come into our life with all kinds of uh, things that it feels like it's against us, right? Like when you're born into the body, you're born into, you can't really change it. You're born into the family you're born into, you can't really change it. You have a set of circumstances that you really can't change. And yet those traumas or those wounds um, you know, like we can lace them with positivity and, and dive right in. And it's like, oh, you know, life is good. And I'm going to like, you know, act as though everything's great anyway. And I think that that's a great skill to have, but truly the, those core wounds that we start with are a fuel and catalyst for our greatest day. So, you know, like if whatever body you're born into, it's like, well, you know, we can use it as a victimization or we can utilize it for, uh, something that can fuel us to something greater that can help us uh, launch us into something that can help us heal the world in a way that it has never been before. So and that's what I'm talking about when I tell you, you know, ancestral, there's family sins, so to speak, or, you know, things that patterns in families. I don't believe that we are tied to genetic patterns at all. I mean, even like we know this in science that, well, just because heart disease runs in your family doesn't mean you have to have heart disease. You know, you could change some things around and then that if it's a genetic thing that can lie dormant, right? So it's the same with just about anything for ancestral or even the things that traumas that we've been through in our own life that didn't come from ancestral things. Um, we can turn those around and we can make them into whatever we want to, yeah. essentially. You know, that you've, you've said a lot there. Let, let me try to make <laughs> one of them. Uh, you know, I heard you say, and this is the way I heard it, maybe this is what, what you meant, was that, and I'm gonna use the word adversity sometimes, human beings have adversity in life to launch them on a personal path of discovery, which may empower them to do something very important in the world. Is that, tell me more about that, if that's what you meant. Absolutely, I mean, look at all of nature. Mm -hmm. You see the trees and there are seasons. And when the tree looks like it's dead because there's no leaves, no fruit, no buds, actually it's getting ready to bud into something. And oftentimes what happens to us is we have things that happen and we, we go, oh, that's happened. And then we attach it to our identity. We say, well, that means I'm dead. You know, I'm dead inside. And so therefore I can't bloom when really it's, it's something that is getting ready to help bloom you. Yeah, that's, that's fascinating. Wow. Okay. So now, you know, you've, you talk about energy a lot in your work. In fact, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm going to admit that I could be wrong here, but I think I heard you say or heard you write that everything in life is energy and is vibrating. If I'm right there, what do you mean by this? Tell us more. 
Yeah. So, I mean, people think of this in all different ways. Some people call that God. I do because I believe that there is some root source that has a personality that, um, you know, everything comes from, but essentially all things come from energy. And that's like all of the work that we know in quantum physics, you know, helps us point back to, oh yeah, like the atom is not the smallest uh, fractal of life. It's actually energy. It's pulsating. It's vibrating at a certain frequency and it's everywhere. Hmm. That's interesting. Well, look, let me throw in Einstein here because when I heard you say Einstein, I said, well, she can talk Einstein. Yeah. <laughs> you, mentioned, you mentioned Einstein and non-locality. I don't know what that is. So what is that and how does this relate to your work? Yeah. So I mean, Einstein, you know, he did a lot of work in quantum physics, right? And, you know, there's so many others. Um, Tesla and it's just you know there's so many great scientists that have done discovery on this and what they've discovered is oh there is actually another dimension that we can't see but we can experience it and um, your question about non-locality is just that well we kind of all exist and vibrate we think that we're like you're in where you are and I'm like you're in South Carolina I'm in Nashville but really we're we're on a video call right now how do you explain that yeah. <laughs> you know we're we're on a call and we can hear each other and um, and energy works very much the same way. So that non-locality just means that things can exist in multiple places at once because there's no such thing as time or space. Mm. Yeah. Well, I tell you, this is this is fascinating. So life is vibrating, this pulsating that's going on in life, as you say. Can we do anything about this or is it just the way it is? Oh, we can absolutely do anything about it. do a lot of things about it because, you know, if an object in motion tends to stay in motion until it's acted upon by an outside force, then you can be the outside force. So things can be traveling in a certain direction. And if you say, you know what, enough of this, not another day, not another hour, I'm going to change things, then you are the outside force that can change the trajectory of where your energy is going. Hmm. So you know, I know that people can, you know, get an education, you know, we go to school, we learn trade, that kind of thing. But I, I want to ask you, can a person actually do something with this energy to improve, enhance their experience of life? That is, can this frequency be, be, be played with it in any kind of way? Absolutely, because really what we're experiencing is not the outside world, but our nervous system's response to it. So until we drive things into the nervous system, then our experience is going to continue to be what it always has been. So if your nervous system is uh, hardwired for trauma and decay and, and anxiety, until you do something to shift that and to heal the nervous system, then your experience of the outside world is, or your experience of your life and your living is going to always be anxiety or, you know, whatever it, it was pre-wired to be. You can rewire it. And that's like, that's at the core of that is energy. You know, it's energy within the nervous system. A human being, and we talk about human beings, maybe animals can do it too, can rewire their nervous system? Absolutely. Absolutely. I have PTSD so bad. I've, I have so many clients that have had horrifying traumas. And within a year or less, you know, I see them like it never happened. They're a completely different person. They're not really a different person. They're an uncovered person. It's an uncovered version of themselves. But yeah, with the healing of the nervous system, you could you can become anything. Oh, come on. 
joy. Okay, okay, I'm, I'm going to get real with you now. Get into this thing because when I look at the world today, there's so many people struggling with. I'm going to list a few things. Depression. You know, some people just can't, some people can't get out of bed today because of that. But if you were talk with someone who was faced with like let's say clinical depression, would you would you say that or you you're just destined to a life of suffering or no way, man. You're not destined to, to that. In fact, I was, I cannot remember even a time back into my childhood as early as two or three, not having depression and anxiety. I was clinically depressed. I could not get out of bed. I lost jobs because I didn't show up. I had horrifying anxiety, agoraphobia. I couldn't leave my house. I was convinced that I was going to die somewhere tragically. And I was on medications for over 10 years with that. And it was just sort of like, oh, well, you're lost cause. And Western medicine said, well, you just here, take more medicine. And guess what? I was still depressed on medicine. So I realized at a certain point that no, I, there was something I needed to do to change that. And that nobody, if, if like psychiatrists and doctors couldn't really help me, then I had to make some decisions. So, I mean, the first thing I started with was my diet and nutrition and exercise. And it took me about uh, you know, like if I was on medication for 10 years, it took me a decade before I was like, okay, I can manage myself well enough. I'm not suicidal anymore. Cause I had a suicide plan multiple times. And I, I, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm functional now. So I'll get off the medication. I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. Keep going in this, tra this trajectory. And I don't, I, I feel depression at times, but I am not depressed. So, you know, there's moments that I'm like, that's an emotion, but it doesn't control me like it once did. I'm free of that. Wow. That's encouraging, Joy. You know, I know, once again, a lot of people go through life with self-doubt. You know, they think that the job that they don't like is the only job that they can ever do in life. So could you work? I mean, what would you say to someone who comes to you like that? Like, look, you know, I'm filled with self-doubt. I just don't trust myself. <laughs> well, you got to start somewhere. <laughs> you have to start somewhere. And you know what? Honestly, you know, I think about this all the time because what's the first thing that most people do when they wake up in the morning to their alarm? They hit the snooze button. Yeah. If that's the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning, you've, you've given yourself a, a note, a promise. You say, I'm going to get up at 7 a.m. Your 7 a.m. alarm goes off and then you hit the snooze button. Mm -hmm. Well, you just, you know, lie to yourself. The first thing you said you were going to do in the day, you lie to yourself. So, I mean, it has to start somewhere. So really it's with those little things. But I mean, you mentioned like with jobs, I was a single mom with three kids, homeschooling three kids, and I had four jobs. And I was like, you know, taking my kids until I had, I had very little to no help. I had no rich uncles dropping me cash anywhere, you know? And so I think, you know, when people feel stuck and they feel that self-doubt, you have to make a defining decision to say, you know what, enough is enough. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to do it this way anymore. I'm going to believe differently, even if the outside world doesn't show it to me yet. Because what we're living is yesterday's model. It's, it's everything we built yesterday. So if we want something to be different tomorrow, we have to build it today. Oh, I like the way it sounds, Joy. Hey, look, so if you were working with children, you know, I've had some children around the house just recently, and I can tell that, you know, they just don't have good self-esteem. Uh, they, they may have experienced or maybe experiencing being bullied in school, but they want to feel better. I mean, would you work with children as well? Or is this only for adults? I do work with children. 
I have, I have worked with many children, actually, starting with my own. Of course, I've done all my experiments on them. <laughs> but yes, children, it's the same thing. It's just, you know, they're living what we reflect back to them. So they don't know what to do unless we model it for them. So typically, you know, I work with children, but I also like to work with their parents because ultimately what they're getting is from the parents That's and right. model back. Yeah. yeah. That's right. So in doing energy work, uh, you know, the first thing that some people may think of is that you're going to hook them up to some electrode or something like that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, either that or, you know, I'm psychic or something, but yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not either. I'm not doing either. Um, no, energy really is like, we all have the ability to read energy. You know, somebody walks in the room and you kind of get the vibe of what they're, what they're feeling. If they're really angry, even if you didn't see them walk in, there's like a, a shift in the room yeah. changes, right? Mm -hmm. So we all have the ability to read energy. Like I said, from when I was a child, I had this like special ability to just read and see. And you know what, honestly, my, my difficult upbringing probably brought that out of me more. Mm -hmm. And also it caused me to suppress it. And then at some point I was like, okay, I need to use this. So uh, what I do is I, I go and I read energy. I use frequency technology as well, biofeedback. Um, but I read energy and we can move it. We can see what's keeping it stuck and how do we move it out of the way? So it's kind of like a laser focused prayer, but that takes some skill on my part. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I understand what you're saying because I've noticed even in my own life is that I can shift my state by listening to something like the temptations singing yeah. psychedelic shack you know? oh yeah <laughs> it's just shift stuff so that's what you're saying is that it's possible for a person to shift their energetic state uh in any given moment is that the type of thing or is it more than that it it is and it's more than that because you know i started when i was doing i, I discovered energy work after like 17 years in traditional therapy and i was like gosh i got more accomplished in two months than I have in 17 years, because the same thing I was going back to the counselor's couch for over and over again, well, things were just shifting. And it was like, I, had, I was fresh. I had a new energy. I didn't know how to do that on my own by just you know dancing or listening to music. I had done all that stuff. I had gotten so far, but just not, I wasn't really blasting through the patterns that I really wanted to. So that's where it's a little bit deeper. So energy healing can be very passive on the part of the receiver because you don't have to really, you don't have to do that work. And at the same time, I recognize that, oh, energy work is not enough because people also need skills like what you're talking about. Like we need to know, oh, when I shake and I dance and I move my body, it feels really good. So we need those things too. Mm -hmm. Right. Now you, you've talked about uh, the inner child. Now back in the day, that was a big thing. You know, people writing about the inner child, the child within that kind of thing. Um, but you've connected the inner child, maybe they do too, you've connected the inner child to trauma. Can you tell us what, what you get at, what you're getting at when you talk about that? Yeah, sure. Because I mean, you're, all of our development is happening uh, in the ego from age seven or zero to about seven. Mm -hmm. And that's really necessary actually for survival. We need to have our ego at its highest peak because we, we have to learn those things, but then of course it pre-wires us for a lot. And so we have to go back and recognizing that the inner child, like children are always gonna blame themselves when things go wrong. You know, parents get divorced. Oh my gosh, it's my fault. It's because of me. So when things go wrong or right, children are always putting the blame on themselves. Like, oh, things are going amazing. It's because of me. Things are going not so well. It's because of me. 
So that's where we picked up a lot of our belief patterns uh, as to how we look at the world. We look at the world through the eyes of usually like our five or six year old, or sometimes earlier, not not through our present day self. So if you're, and I work with tons of executives who are like, why am I falling apart? I lead a whole team, you know? And I'm like, hey, hey, you're not falling apart. It's it's one of your, one of the pieces of your inner child that is falling apart. I, I, uh, I take this kind of like, you know, if you're 40 years old, uh, you're driving a bus and you've got like 40 kids on the bus and they're all you. And sometimes, you know, like kids are never, they, they're never satisfied. So like, they always want, something to eat. They always want something to drink. They want something to do. And occasionally you find like your five-year-old driving your bus. And so it's not really like your present day self, but it's some healing that needs to take place. We need to go back and do some healing on that five-year-old child so that you can feel more integrated in the present moment. Wow. Okay. I want to poke around this just a little bit more. I'm going to throw some things out <laughs> and then I want you to, to comment on them. Are things that you've I've heard you say or write about. Um, energy code energy code yes yes well I started out my first healing modality that I did was something called emotion code which I don't use too much anymore but basically it's your you know there's emotions that are trapped in your energy field because they weren't processed out properly and so the energy code has to be reset and reprogrammed in order for you to move forward without that yeah okay um emotions are energy perhaps you just told us that yeah well i could go a little bit deeper on that because yeah i mean even emotions have a specific frequency like anger is one of the lower vibration uh emotions whereas elation is going to be a much higher vibration emotion and we can actually measure that with scientific technology so yeah emotions are an energy that vibrate at a certain frequency mm -hmm. okay um you know i heard a speaker talk about this and she talked about molding the energy, that molding, go to a higher frequency. Wow, this is, this is so fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we can shape it. We can shape it and elevate it as, as we're working. And essentially, I mean, if you were, if you had somebody tell you as a kid that you're stupid or something, then you can reshape it and remold it with an alternate affirmation. Mm -hmm. You're brilliant. Wow. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and will it stick? I mean, that's the other thing. People say, you know, uh, are you psyching yourself out or is this something that they can stick? And that is, that is it could be a suit that they can easily wear or is it a suit they got to keep adjusting to make it fit day, every day of their life? Oh, well, that goes back to the whole positive, the positivity poison that I mentioned. It's like, mm -hmm. do we really want to lace things with positivity? The skill is to be able to recite the affirmation over and over again until your nervous system catches up. Oh, I see. And so you can take it on and you know what, at first your brain's going to go, you liar. That's not true. Yeah. You know, but the more you do it, the more you practice, it's a practice. And then it becomes a part of who you are. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So I want to come back to this, but I'm going to shift just a little bit because you said something earlier that caught my attention. In fact, you could have said this at the start of this, of this program. Um, you said that nutrition was important to you. Can you take us into that? What do you mean? I mean, uh, yeah, nutrition. Yeah, well, of course, food, the food we eat also has a frequency, right? And if we want to elevate, then we have to eat higher vibrational foods. So that's like lots of like vegetables are super high vibration, whereas meat is a very dense vibration. Um, 
So, I mean, it's like, we have that in not only the nutrition that's in the food, but color, color is a vibration. Hmm. So we need to eat all the colors that affects our whole overall energy. I've never heard it expressed in this way. <laughs> now, but I, I know that your nutrition is important. And I know that a person can really do a lot to alter their life by what they put into their body system. But I've never heard it expressed the way you just put it. Can you say more about that? Yeah, I mean, well, you know, if there's a variety of color and it's vibrating at different frequencies and you need all of them for all of your energy points that hold your body strong, mm -hmm. then we've got to get that on a day-to-day -day basis. And then there's like the gut to brain connection. So what you're putting in your gut feeds your brain. And that's one of the things I discovered when I was suffering with the clinical depression, because I was eating horrible foods. I mean, I went through my teen years and early twenties, just eating like tons of pizza and cheesesteaks. You can't do that and not eat vegetables and expect for your brain to feel really good. You have to feed your gut what you want your brain and body to feel. Wow. That's a huge, powerful reason to eat the right kinds of foods. Yeah. Um, you know, I've actually seen individuals change their body, you know, composition. And it's not all about the way your body looks, but, you know, by just eating food, the right foods. I've seen people reverse some chronic conditions by just eating the right foods. It's amazing. You're saying, look, food is energy. You know, yeah. that's, that's, I find it amazing. Okay. So now I want to get back into the energy thing. And uh, you've talked about rewriting, rewriting, rewriting. And uh, you've talked about restructuring your life. A person can restructure their life. So I want to touch upon a few things that I think I've gotten from you and have you say more. Is that okay, okay. with you? Absolutely. Okay, and now the, the overarching is life restructure. Uh, I think you're saying you can look, a person can actually restructure their life. Below it, belief, belief, reprogramming. If I got that right now, and, and do yep. my research on you. What is that? And is that a part then of restructuring a person's life? Believe mm. me. Absolutely, yeah. Because 90 to 95% of everything we do is driven by our subconscious mind. So we're even unaware of the beliefs we have that are driving us to places that we don't want to go. Mm. So if your life is not looking how you want it to look, then you have to go to the core of that, which is your belief systems. And if your beliefs don't match what you say you want for your life, then it then you have to rewire your beliefs. Is that well? I know you're going to say yes. But <laughs> is that possible to <laughs> for a person to rewire his belief? Of course it is. <laughs> of course it is. It's you know a lot of it is about well I mean it's about will, but it's like are you sick and tired enough of being sick and tired enough of where you are? If what you believe is, has not been working for you, then it might be time to dig deeper into what the truth is rather than what you've chosen to believe for your whole life or maybe what's been passed down to you generationally mm -hmm. or in the, you know, culturally in the circles that you found yourself in. Where are you drawing this, this, this amazing, I'm going to call it a technology, I don't know what it's called. Where are you <laughs> drawing this from? What is your source of, for this? A lot of where I get my ideology from is from the Bible. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I read a lot and I read a lot of different uh, ideologies and, and philosophies and things like that. And what I found is that 
so much of what I thought was in the Bible that was taught to me from like my cultural upbringing in church was incomplete because there's pieces of what different belief systems have like Taoism for instance is a philosophy not a religion but when I really dug into the Tao I was like oh my gosh this is what Jesus said yeah Um, so that's where that's a lot of where I get it from is the what what I think is you know is coming from universal truth um it helps me to understand on a deeper fundamental level and into my nervous system right yeah what the truth really is and not just what I fabricated it to be yeah, that's what I kind of gather, you know, and as you were speaking, I said, oh, she's been on a, a true, a truth seeking path of some sort. Oh, yes. And uh, those truths are materializing in your, in your life here. Okay. So you also have talked about rewriting your money story. Mm. Yes. Now, some people are going to like that. Can I rewrite <laughs> my money story? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, yes. Yes. I mean, my my father is Jewish. And so there's a lot you can just imagine, <laughs> like, there's a lot there, a lot of uh, beliefs that have been passed down about um, lack and, um, you know, just like, well, there's just not there's not going to be enough and, and yet a resourcefulness to be able to make it make things happen to, and to make money happen, but this fear that it's going to be taken away from me, right? So that's something that's been passed to me generationally. And I think when we rewrite our money story, what that really goes back to is, again, the belief patterns. It's like, well, if you believe and you speak, by the way, also words are very important, mm-hmm. that, oh, I can't afford it. I can't afford it. Then it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. But if you say, and I, you know, I've got three children, like I mentioned, so I, I don't say, we do not say in my house, can't afford it, money's tight or anything like that ever. Mm. What I'll say is I'm not going to prioritize that right now. And, and they know that that means she might have the money or she might not, but she's making a choice about what she's doing with her money. And that's far more empowering than this talk. I mean, like everybody talks like that, right? Like I can't afford it. I can't afford it. Oh, that's too much. It's, it's too much. And what we're doing is we're pushing away the possibility. You're the possibility guy, you know, we're pushing away the possibility with our, our words and our actions over and over again. So in order to rewrite our money story, we have to shift our words and our thinking about it. Mm-hmm. So as you look at me, this, you know, we're in the 20, um, you know, this is 2022 here. We've had a pandemic. A lot of people are under stress. Um, how do you view the world and how do you, how are you viewing our response to all that's going on here? Well, mm. Talk talk to us in mass, Joy. Talk to yeah. us. Yeah. Well, you know, it's so easy for us to look to the outside world and say, oh, it's the government's fault, it's the president's fault, it's the pandemic's fault. But what I think this era is really prompting us to do is to look inside and to deal with our individual stuff. We can no longer get away with not looking at our individual stuff and pushing it and uh, blaming to the outside world. We cannot do that anymore. And what, when our fears are coming up, talk about energy and you're carrying this, a lot of the old energy that we have experienced in our childhood is now surfacing, which is why I talk about this so much because we, we have to heal the child so that the, the adult human can show up to tackle what this world requires of us right now. Yeah, yeah. What I hear in that um, is, you know, if, you know, the more you clean up your world, 
clean up your world, the more you clean up the world. Yes, yeah, so. exactly. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so as you look at you know where we are today, I mean, well, I, I know the answer to this, but I got to ask you. This is a podcast show. <laughs> <laughs> do you look at it with optimism, or do you also have some anxiety when you look, you know, in the United States, you know, gas prices up, grocery prices up. Some people are talking about the gas shortage that they're not going to be able to get food to the grocery. You know, a lot of stuff that people are dealing with. Well, how do you see things? Lack produces more lack. Mm. So. And also we have to look at this as a seasonal time in all of our history, there's been ups and there's been downs. So we're in the downswing right now, but that's not who we are. That's not our identity. And that's not where we're going because if this is the lowest point and there may be a lower point, but there's always a higher point and the seasons and the, the swell of time shows us that things always get better. Yeah. It's, it's right at the darkest hour of the night that is before the dawn. Yeah, yeah. Be impeccable with your words. Uh, you mentioned looking at some spiritual truths. One writer said, weeping may endure for night, but joy, joy com comes in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's awesome. So you are, you, you are of the, the viewpoint that a person can actually rewrite this stressful story no matter where they came from, no matter what their cultural past is or cultural legacy, that a person can actually rewrite this stress, stressful story. That's your stance? Is that your stance? That's my stance, yes, because ultimately we've always all been cared for at all times. And it's when we tap into that that we see more of it. Well, I love that, Joy. Oh boy, you just touched me because, oh my gosh, I, well, maybe I'm just making this up, but I just heard, in just, but the moment you said it, you're supported. You yes. are supported. Now, I don't know how anything more than that, but you're <laughs> saying, look here, trust this, trust this. Trust. Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah. Any success stories that you can share with us? I know you can't tell us names, but, and you work with executives and leaders, as well as, you know, the common person on the street. Can you share some success stories with us about people you've worked with who had a real life change and, and, and you know, turned around? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the second you asked that, I just thought of a, a lady that just an incredible woman. She has an um, awesome business. She's been in business for like 25 years or something like that, pulling probably half a million dollars a year or something like that. And, um, you know, she came to me asking for help because she knew she couldn't really feel her successes. And this is what happens to a lot of high achievers because all of us high achievers, Hey, we start out being high achievers because we learned somewhere in our childhood that I can get some kind of significance from achievement. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I talked to her and uh, we were on a zoom call and she just said, joy, I've got accolades all the way around my office. If you could see them, it's just like the walls are filled with them. I can't feel a single one of them. And I really like my heart just broke. And I, I really felt for her because I've been in that position and I've seen that over and over again. I think she represents a lot of the clients that I, I work with. And so we worked together for a while and she just, it was incredible to see her more honest about her emotions. And um, I mean, while you're rewriting your story, you also have to hold space for the honesty, um, you know, for what's really going on beneath the surface. And so I saw her just explode emotionally, like in, in the most beautiful way. Okay. Just like she 
really learned to master herself through it. And by the way, in her industry, she hit an all-time low, like the pandemic and everything locked everything up for her worse than most industries. And so for her to be able to see her remain stable and secure through that and walking through it in grace and just, you know, saying like, well, I know that there's a better day coming. This is really hard, but it did not suck her under was probably one of the biggest, biggest successes of, of my help with other people so far, I, I'd say. Right. How did that, how did that make you feel, you know, work with someone and see a huge, you know, turnaround for them? How did that make you feel? Well, it always makes me feel so filled with like wonder and purpose. And like, it, it drives me to continue doing what I'm doing to help people because I know there are people that are hurting so bad. And by the way, she, you know, she had a team and she's works with tons of people. And so how does that affect the infrastructure of our culture? If, our leaders are really suffering. So it, it just, um, you know, I feel very humbled to be able to walk with uh, people like her uh, who are in a similar position so that we're not falling apart. We're actually coming together. Yeah, yeah. Ah, that's great. So, but there are some people out there for whatever reason who hurt other people. You know, I mentioned bullying in school, for example, that happens. Why do you think some of us do that that is we hurt others we transfer our pain we're mm -hmm. always transferring either our pain or our joy yeah and unhealed pain is the root cause of the world's most evil things that you could possibly think of i mean even hitler you know it's a great example um he didn't manage his pain very well and you know that's another driving force for me because i see that and i'm like you know i've been under that i've been victimized by it no more I will, will not carry myself as a victim, but um, I just, this is exactly why I work with people in the capacity that I do, because, hey, we're either going to transfer our pain or our joy. Right, well, that's, and that's that energy thing. Once again, if, the hurt, if you're hurt, that's what you're going to take out there. Yeah. If you're feeling good, you aren't going to be hurting somebody else. Yeah. Um, now, but you, and I got, got to ask this, you, you said something else that, that caught me, and that is, you said that you would not be a victim anymore. Um, and there are a lot of us, you know, in the world, and I, I use myself euphemistically to mean everyone who feel that we are victims. How can a person then walk out of this feeling that I'm a victim in the world, a victim to the government, a victim to the economy, a victim, you know, the, the whole list, the laundry list that we can throw out there. How do you stop being a victim? Mm. Yeah, I mean, if you start out as a victim, you're going to go to uh, the the bully or the rescuer. Um, so codependency is is big with victimization. But I mean, your question, like, how do we break that, is again goes back to beliefs. It's like, what is what is the real truth about who I am? Is what's happened to me who I am? Yeah. Or am I something other than what's happened to me? Am I something other than what I feel? Am I something other than what I think? because those are energies that operate within us, but they aren't us. We come from a much deeper place. And so like, who is Stephen Middleton? Who is he? Wow. He's not what he's been through. He's not what he feels and he's not what he thinks. He is an integrity, a person of integrity that, you know, it's like you have a set of characteristics within you that operates completely separately from those things. And the choice that you have to make is, well, then I'm going to choose to operate within that and not out of what's happened to me. Who are you, Joy Soleil? 
who am I? Yes, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I am, I'm an advocate for healing and wholeness, starting with myself. And I am a very unique expression of God. And um, I'm fully supported and fully loved. And that's who I am. And it's actually very simple. That's a, it's simple, but that's a powerful place to come from, you know, mm -hmm. when you're not coming from the circumstances, but from that place that you just mentioned, I love it. Mm. So um, we, we've, we've, that's, 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 that's good. You just, you just threw a knockout punch, but I got to ask you one last thing. Is there anything else you care to share with us that you and I have not touched upon today? Mm. Well, just, I just want to spread hope to people, you know, whatever situation that you're in, whatever your circumstances have been, whatever it feels like right now is not the end. It's just a new beginning, a new birthing of something. And if anyone would like to contact me and we can chat about how we can uh, get you to a more stable position, um, or if you're stable, even a more stable position, um, then I'd be completely open to chatting with you about that. Well, I'll certainly put your information below the description of this show so that uh, pe people can check out, uh, check you out if they want to. Awesome. Well, Joe, it has been truly my pleasure uh, talking with you today. I enjoyed our conversation and got a great deal out of it. So thank you for being with us. Great. Thank you, Stephen. Okay. You've been listening to the Possibility Action Network podcast. Our guest today has been Joy Soleil and emotional mastery coach and healer. I'm your host, Stephen Middleton. Until next time, good day. You are not alone, just keep on.